From Booksmart Studios, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm John McWhorter, and this is a very special episode because my sweetie is sick. She has a bad cold, and I want her to wizdoravlivats, that is, to heal in the Russian language. That is a word where in the middle of it is something that's probably more familiar to a lot of us as the word in Nazdarovia for, you know, to your health, if people are, you know, clinking glasses or something. Nazdarovia, that zdarovia, that is health. So Lizdarovivats is to health out, kind of like to peace out or to pass out or to spread it out, to do it completely. That's the V. You want to health out. And so, I want to do an episode about that word, because like many words, it's interesting just in itself. And so, Vizdaravlivats, and then Nazdarovia, or also Zdravzvoitje, that greeting, the famous Russian greeting where you have to deal with four consonants in a row, Zdravstvoitje, Zdravzvoitje. That's also Zdarovia. It's a different vowel. It's Zdrav instead of Zdrov, but it's that same word. And so, in tribute to my beautiful sweetie and her beautiful language, what is this health word in Russian? Believe it or not, this word, zdrovye, for health, starts as being about trees. It meant tree. Specifically, we listen to zdrovye from English and we think of the zd, which is odd to us. It begins with d. But actually, the z is a little piece of something that we can really think of as for nothing, which it is today. The z is originally a prefix. It's the darov. That's the main part. And that begins as something that would have been in the grandfather language to all of the Slavic languages, doru. And doru would have meant tree. Specifically, doru would have meant something with the quality of hardness, kind of like you can think of it as a hard so to speak, and that word would have meant tree. And even today, the word for tree in Russian is derva, which is from this doru. And so, originally, this word that came to refer to health was about the strength and the vigor of a tree, and that comes to mean healthy. And what's interesting is, if you think about just the consonants, you know, vowels are always flying all around. Consonants might stay still a little bit longer. You have this d, r, do, ru. Well, go backwards and go to Proto-Indo-European, that language spoken in what's today Ukraine that becomes the language that's the source of most of the languages of Europe and lots of languages in Iran and India today. Originally, there would have been this d, r, and when that comes down into Latin instead of into the Slavic languages, it actually is just as clean, and it would be Latin's durus, and that means hard. And so that means that where we use Latin-derived words with durus to mean hard, we are using the same root that went into nasdarovia. And so Latin with the durus, if we talk about something being durable or those logs, duraflame logs, my, my parents used to use them. They probably <laughs> stick into me in some way. You're not supposed to burn them for some reason, but I actually have been intending to do it duraflame. Well, it's because it's a hard flame. And this business of health and strength 
and trees is a kind of tendency. It's kind of like this business of the right hand and the right thing to do and human rights that we did in the last episode. Health, strength, and trees. And so Latin, robustus, we have that as robust. That comes from the word robur, which meant oak tree. So something is robust, like, you know, the magnificence of an oak tree's trunk. And actually, it can go in a different direction. So think about doru, and it's D-R-U. Now, let's go back, and this time, let's see what happened in Germanic. Instead of in Slavic, instead of in Latin, D-R-U. When that goes into the language that became German and English and Dutch and Swedish and Icelandic and some other languages, well, the D becomes a T, which is really the same thing. The R stays. The U becomes a W-ish thing. And so you get t r w That became two things. That became tree. So true becomes tree. And then tree becomes true. Tree became not health in Germanic, but it became about the truth, which is a rather similar thing. And if we're on true, then I really think that it's time for a song break. And it would have to be for what is one of the weirdest and most wonderful 80s pop songs ever. I don't know where Spandau Ballet got this, but it's one of these things where if you really listen to it, there's something interesting in almost every two or three seconds of this, and just from the opening. Here it goes. Not the usual kind of song I play on this show, but I should have. This is true. And, sweetie, we have never talked about this song, but something tells me you might like it as much as I do. this business of zdrovje but zdrav. There's zdrov and then there's zdrav, as in zdravzvojtje. Well, what that is, is there are two healthy words in Russian. They are the same word, but different. And so there is na zdrovje, but then there's also zdravje. Zdravje is just older. Zdrovje comes from the original Proto-Slavic granddaddy language. Zdravje came a little bit afterward. It came into modern Russian from, this is going too far into the weeds, but Old Bulgarian, which is called Old Church Slavonic. That kind of thing happens. In English, for example, we've got shirts, we've got skirts. Shirts are original Old English. Skirt came in when the Scandinavians invaded, and they had their cognate word for shirt, but it was skirt. So now we have the two words, one of them original, one of them borrowed and kept a little later. So shirt 
skirt, zdrowie, zdravie. And so in Russian, you can have, for example, an old-fashioned drinking toast would be zazdravie. And so not zazdrovie, zazdravie. Now, it wouldn't be used now, but it's something that you would read in an old book or something like that. In a language, you find things like this, these subtle differences. You know, a word comes in two or three different forms, and you just have to know which one to use and when. So, for example, my sweetie and I are translating some Chekhov stories these days, because for one thing, it's fun. And two, I figured I should kind of put my money where my mouth is after last year, or was it two years ago when I was trashing Pavir and Volkonsky's translation of War and Peace? Well, the question is, can I do better? And you know, the answer might be just no, but you know, I want to try my hand at it. And there are all sorts of things that you run into. And so, for example, piano, royal, today is a masculine word. Well, one thing that is antique in one of the Chekhov stories that we've translated is that it's feminine. I would never have picked this up. This is something that she informed me of. But to know Russian is to see piano in the feminine and to know that that's old-fashioned. An English equivalent to this might be something like um, chop. This is just what comes to my mind. I was reading a memoir by the cabaret pianist Bobby Short. He was black, and he dealt with the segregation that reigned in America until the late 1960s. And he was reminiscing about how, when you were out on the road, you had to learn things like how to cook a chop. Now, that seems like an innocent way of putting something, but to tell you the truth, I don't really know what that means. I mean, I can kind of imagine, but I today wouldn't say, I'm going to cook a chop. I would have to specify that it was a lamb chop or a pork chop, but if it was a beef chop, I wouldn't say beef chop, I would say steak. And in general, if he says how to cook a chop, what I'm thinking is I wonder what he meant. And yet I'm sure how to cook a chop was something that someone of his generation would have said readily. It's a very subtle thing, but he probably was talking about beef. He wasn't talking about being on the road and getting lamb chops or, or pork chop. He's probably talking about beef, little old-fashioned, little things like this are in all languages. So, I remember when I first started trying to teach myself Russian way back, thinking that, wow, is that really the way they say hello? And of course, in many situations, the privyet is more likely, especially these days from what I have gleaned. But that was one of the very first words that they taught with the four consonants in a row. And I thought this language is going to be difficult. But I was just thinking, there's no way they say that all the time. They must shorten it. And it turns out that one does. And so zdrastje is something that one says in a more colloquial situation. So zdrastje, that's nice. But zdrastje is, of course, what happens to the word when you say it a whole lot. That is natural language change. And so, for example, let's jump over to a language we don't do enough Persian. Shah. We all know what a shah is. You know what that word was in old Persian? It was kshayatia. Kshayatia. And it's shortened through Middle Persian into Modern Persian into just Shah. You're probably going to say it a lot, and you don't want to say Kshayatia a lot. You want to say just Shah. And so you can see now on mountain faces and places like Behistun, there are these inscriptions. And if they're going to talk about a Shah, it's going to be a Kshayatia. But we don't say that anymore because we don't have time. In any case, if you want a bonus segment, 
on more about languages and health, then go to booksmartstudios.org and consider subscribing. Consider actually giving us a little bit of money so we can keep this going. You just click on Lexicon Valley once you get there. What you get is a bonus segment where you learn a little bit more, but you can't hear the bonus segment unless you actually join the club. What about health words in other languages? Where do they come from? Is it always about trees? Well, no, but there are certain family resemblances. And so in the Romance languages, health comes from not words about hardness, but wholeness, which is related. And so, for example, Spanish, salud for health, or Italian, salute. That is from Proto-Indo-European's root, roughly soul. And soul meant whole. So the idea is that if you're healthy, you're all together. You're not falling apart like Humpty Dumpty. And so you have this soul word. We have it in English through Latin as solid and soldier. Those are our soul words. But same root goes into Spanish and becomes salud and salute in Italian. French is a little bit different. For them, health is santé. And santé is different from salud and salute. Santé is from another Proto-Indo-European root, swan, but that meant whole too. This root swan became the gesund, so kind of geswan, gesund in German, as in Gesundheit. Gesundheit is your health. It's your Gesundheit. It's your Gesundheit, so to speak. And so French's santé is from a similar root. Then here in English, we have an interesting situation that is related. Healthy. That word is actually healthy, essentially. Healthy is originally about wholeness. And so the original root, hal, it meant whole or entire. And healthy used to be about not just the body. It's hard to imagine this now. Healthy is about your liver. But healthy used to be about wholeness in general. You could talk about safety, and that was healthy. You could talk about preservation. That was healthy. It meant healthy until you get through Middle English, and then it specializes the way words often do. But even today, think about hail. You're hale and hearty. That's a rather quaint but you know plausible way of saying that you are healthy. Well, what's hail? Hearty, you know what that is because you can have a hearty beef stew, although I, I would bet that hearty is not going to be a real word in a couple hundred years, maybe not even in 50. But hail is clearly nothing except hail and hearty. It's gone. What happened was that there's an original word, hal, and if you're going to say healthy, the ah gets pulled towards where you pronounce the e. Healthy is going to become healthy. But if there isn't any E up front, then hal is going to sit where it is for a while. And then what happened was something called the Great Vowel Shift. And under the Great Vowel Shift, hal became hail. But hail ended up just falling out of the rotation because healthy had taken its place. So hail is one of those words. They're called cranberry words or sometimes just fossil words, in that they're in the language, we use them all the time, but we don't really know what they mean because they don't 
really mean much of anything. I discussed them on this show back in about 1958, but most of you probably weren't listening to those episodes that I used to do while you know smoking a cigarette and wearing a fedora on old radio. And so it's things like cranberry. What's a cran? Nobody really knows. There's a berry problem in general. Raspberry, what's the rasp? You just say it. Or, for example, you know, I will bear the brunt. What's a brunt? You ever seen one? Can you keep one as a pet? I am going to leave him in the lurch. Okay, you have a kind of a picture, but what's what's a lurch? If, if somebody asked, you'd say, well, you say you're going to leave somebody in the lurch. But if it's some really smart little kid, well, yes, but what is a lurch, huh? What is a lurch, huh? Huh? And you don't really know. And then you start thinking maybe about the Adams family or something. But that's not what a lurch is. We're taking something for granted. Now, we know intellectually, especially as literate people, that it's granted. You're taking something as given to you as a gift. But is that really what you're thinking when you say taking it for granted? Really, when you say take it for granted, you're saying something that should be spelled G-R-A-N-N-I-T. We don't think about it as granting anymore. It really would be a cranberry word if it weren't for the fact that we write it the way it emerged. So, Hail is one of those things, but originally it's whole. So healthy is whole That's how we do it over here in English. And that's how they do it in Romance. That's how they do it in German. But over in Slavic, health is about trees and the quality of hardness. And there are other little things. So, nazdrovje. And I tell you, well, you know, the z, we don't care about that. That's just some kind of prefix. But you know what that was? Originally, that would have been, in Proto-Indo-European, something like su, something like that. Now, it's interesting what happens to su. In Slavic, it becomes s or z. Now, that's not so strange. But in Greek, we're jumping all over Indo-European this time. So, in Greek, Greek is all by itself these days on its branch. That su ended up becoming something quite different. Ancient Greek didn't like it when s and h were at the beginning of words. S and H always got kind of, you know, hiccuped or beat up or changed significantly when they were in that place. Kind of like, I don't like wearing sunglasses. I've got several pairs. I almost never wear them. I'd rather, you know, go blind, not literally. But I don't like seeing the world dark. I want to see it the way it is. And so, you know, on that place, in front of my eyes, I do not want some pair of glasses other than the prescription glasses that I usually wear. Well, in Greek, that su just became basically u, and now it's you, and that is the you that we use in Greek-derived words, such as eulogy, So that's good speaking that you say, you know, at someone's funeral or euphemism. And, you know, honestly, I don't know what the femme is, but you you get the principle. Or euphonium, which is the cute little tuba, and it means good sound. So eulogy, euphemism, euphonium, you have a cold, and that's not good at all. But the z in zdrovia is the same thing, imagine, as the u in eucalyptus. I, I love things like that. Or another thing that you can say to somebody, if you don't say, get well, you can tell somebody, I don't know why my voice is going up for Russian today. So that's, so 
Get yourself better. Get yourself right. That prav is that same right word from the last episode. And so this prava is about the right hand. It's about the right way to do things. Pravilna. And then it's also about human rights. Well, get yourself right. Fix yourself. Paparvgaisa. It's the sort of thing that reminds you that you need certain comfort food to make you feel right. Here's a transition. And so many people are very fond of cookies. For example, well, you know what? There is a Broadway musical song about cookies. This is from A Year with Frog and Toad. Yes, there was a musical about that. And the toad in this clip, folks, is Cousin Larry from the late great, well, the late TV show Perfect Strangers. Here's some cookies. Eating cookies, eating cookies, we're so happy. Eating cookies, 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 we adore. Cookies, 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 we go cookie-eating cookies. Maybe we should stop. Let's have more. Toad, we must stop eating these cookies. I know. Get me a box and some string. Eating cookies, eating cookies, I'm so happy. Eating cookies, 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 I adore. Cookies, 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 I go cookie-eating cookies. Maybe you should stop. Just one more. Now I will put these cookies in the box and tie it up with a string. Then we shall eat no more cookies. What an excellent plan. However, another thing, you know, just odds and ends. So, zdarovya, that's health. Okay. But if you say zdarova, you take the accent and you put it on the first syllable. So, zdarovya, instead zdorova. If you say zdorova, the meaning changes. So then it means great. Kind of as in, great, the Tony the Tiger. And so you want to say something like, oh, he sings great. In Russian, you say, he great sings. And so you would say, on Zdorova Poyot, he's a great singer. He greatly sings. But you have to put the accent on that first syllable for it to mean that. So it's kind of like we can outlaw something so that outlaws won't do it. It's our famous backshift sort of thing where you can change something from a verb into a noun. In this case, changing the accent like that turns it into an adverb. And so you're doing something greatly. Zdorova. Or the way that you greet somebody. You might zdorovatsa. That is to greet somebody. In other words, to healthy at them. And you might think, well, that's rather idiomatic to healthy at somebody. But no, we do the same thing. We hail in English, you can hail somebody. More likely to talk about hailing a cab these days, but you can hail someone in greeting, and that's the same thing. When you're hailing somebody, what you're doing is be healthying them. You're saying, be healthy. Same thing in Spanish with saludos. That is, you know, healthies. These are beautiful examples of how you can't predict how words' meanings will change. You can't know exactly where words are going to go. But you can explain how they do, their reasons. These meanings are related. And you can make pretty good guesses as to where words are likely to go. So if there's something about, you know, hardness, that very well might end up having to do with health because the concepts are so related. Or something about straightness is probably going to wind up having to do with truth, with what is right. This is how we do what's called historical semantics. And in that spirit, Papravyaisa, sweetie, for you, let's bring this up once again. If you eat one of these cookies, I'm here to tell you you're going to eat If you'd like to comment or subscribe, please visit booksmartstudios.org. 
Our producer is, as always, Mike Volo. Go to booksmartstudios at gmail.com also to leave questions, which is something else you get if you subscribe. Every two weeks, I answer two questions in writing on the site, and it's a lot of fun, but you only get to participate in that if you subscribe. Booksmartstudios at gmail.com. Our theme music was created by Harvest Creative Services, and I am John McWhorter. Thank you.